As far as the future goes, the future is very bright, extremely bright. So I, I was looking up some numbers because I, I wanted to just really give you guys some facts here. The market in 2020 was $1.16 billion. That was just 2020. That was three years ago. It is projected by 2028 to be almost $14 billion in annual revenue. Now, that's not freight in total. That was freight brokerage. Domestic United States freight brokerage. The actual number is $13.78 billion. That's a staggering number in such a short period of time. And I see the projection that I'm being reported is actually happening. We're seeing our part of the pie based on the effort to which we put forth. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. If that describes you, then this is the podcast for you. If you're a freelancer, a startup or small business, a well-established company, a nonprofit, or even someone thinking about a second or possibly a third career, this is for you too. You see, here in Looking Forward, we focus on global trends in the future, but most importantly, on the opportunities they're creating. Our guest experts will not only tell you about those opportunities, they will also give you some tips to help you take the first steps toward capitalizing on them. I'm your host, Jeff Ostroff. Hi, everyone. Did you know there's a multi-billion dollar global opportunity in the transportation industry? It happens to be one that's not widely known. It has to do with shipping freight, and in this case, with those who help to do that, otherwise known as freight brokers. My guest expert, Jason Bouch, owns businesses which focus on freight brokering. Hope you enjoy my episode with Jason, in which he tells us about some great opportunities out there in his field. To learn more about Jason, please listen to the episode and check the show notes. Now, before we get started... I want to say a few words about our sponsor, Superpass. Do you make podcasts, video courses, or other content? Well, that means you need your own engaging website and mobile app for everything you make. And Superpass can help. Turn your followers into superfans and paid customers. Elevate your brand with your own stunning website and mobile app. And with Superpass, it's never been easier. Superpass is the most powerful content app maker on the market. And now you can try it for free. Or like me, you can be on one of their other plans. Enter code looking forward, all one word, all caps, looking forward, and get a 10% lifetime discount on any of their plans. Go to superpass.com. That's super with an A. Superpass.com. And hey, if you want us to mention your organization on the show, Please contact us for more details. Okay, let's get started. Well, hi, Jason. Welcome to Looking Forward Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. Hey, Jeff. Great to meet you. Thank you very much for having me on the show. I'm really happy to be on Looking Forward, man. I've, I've read a lot about you, and I'm excited to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you on, Jason, because this is an area of opportunity that I would have had no clue about. <laughs> what you're involved with never would have occurred to me as even a business, but I knew it, it had to be a business, but let alone an opportunity. Yeah. Mo most people ask, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I'm a freight broker. They're like, what's that? I'm exactly. Like, okay, well, when they match them up with customers freight, that's what I do. That's 
I find trucks for customers is really what I do. That's the function in, in its barest, most purest form. Yes. And we are going to have you elaborate on that. But I think what's quite interesting to begin with, Jason, is how you got involved with this. It wasn't yes. like, and this doesn't happen for a lot of people, I must admit, but it wasn't like at, when you were six, you said, you know what, I'm going to be involved in the freight brokerage business. I hope it wasn't like that. But in reading about you, I know it wasn't. So how did this happen for you? I actually grew up in a family of transportation. My dad worked for Chicago Northwestern growing up. So he worked on the railroads and stuff. He was a mechanic. And, and then he eventually worked for United Airlines. I'd always been around transportation, but uh, n- never in tra- trucking itself. And in fact, my sister works for the FAA. So she kind of picked up right out of high school, actually. She hired at 17. She wow. finished the FAA. We've always had background in this, but this really started when I was a mechanic and I wanted to make more money. And I talked to my boss and I said, listen, I, how am I going to buy a house, man? I'm making like $7 an hour. He goes, you're not. So I talked to a friend of mine and he was suggested I get my CDL and start driving. And so that's how, that was my legit entry into the trucking industry. I got my CDL, I came back. I didn't really want to go over the road. So I found a local job. I worked for an air freight company in the Chicagoland area. And then I uh, got into a really bad accident, which was effectively the last time I professionally drove. And then I worked my way through the office and got into a dispatch deal and started really working with the inner workings of companies and how that kind of evolves. Moving forward, I ended up picking up some sales background in when I sold Pontiacs for a period of time. When I had lost my job, I, I did some dumb stuff and I, I didn't appreciate what I had and I got fired. So I had to pivot, learn, and I, I took that mistake and figured, okay, accept it for what it is. Don't do that again. Let's move forward. Yes. And while working at Pontiac, I met a person who I sold a car to her. And I, I was looking through her credit report back when they actually let people like hold stuff and look at things when you buy a car. Yeah. And, and I, I see all these free companies that she worked with and worked for and stuff. And so we got to talking about that. And she offered to introduce me to a company called AIT Worldwide Logistics, which is where I really took off from there. I had the fortune of running into Michael Cohan, who was my boss at the time and, and really good mentor for me. I found out later in life that I was set up, but he actually introduced me to what is now my wife. She was a customer down in Dallas. Wow. Yeah. So uh, Michael's been extremely pivotal in my life, and I'm very thankful for the opportunity to even work with him. But a very close friend. I love the man. We were flying food all over the country. And during 9-11, we had to stop doing that because they grounded all the airplanes. And that was really the first opportunity to be a freight broker for me. So we had to figure out how to move product and, and shift everything around the country, but still support the network and, and, and continue everything going. And that was the only way to do it. And so I, I remember him and I talking. He goes, Jason, you don't even know how much your truck can weigh. How are you going to do this? I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. And he, he's like, whatever, man. Forget it. <laughs> he banned me and stuff. And, and, uh, but it worked out. And the company made a lot of money. The customers got exactly what we needed. And I, I think that in some small way, I obviously, I, I benefited from this, but I feel that was like us helping the country get back on its feet again because you're still moving everything. Infrastructure still has to move. It is, it's a horrible thing that has happened to our country and we still need to get up in, in the next day and figure out what are we going to do next. So then after moving to Texas, that's really when it, it took off. I worked for a small family company. I grew their business from a $1 million operation to a $4 million operation before it collapsed under the weight of their own poor management. And then I went out on my own and been unstoppable for, for that moving forward. It's just been crazy. It's been a hell of a ride. That is fantastic. A couple of things you said there that are very important. The notion of you had to pivot, which a lot of people do, even if you're 
already set in a business, you find out things change or there's some new opportunity. You don't want to lose sight of the fact that maybe you could add something on, although you don't want to over diversify. Sometimes we have to make changes and this is true of life as well. The other thing is, I guess you had the, I don't want to say brashness, but maybe the confidence or maybe it was the determination to say, you know what, I'll figure it out. I don't know much about trucks, but I'm going to figure this out. And, and that's yeah. what you did. You, you know, and a lot of what I do in business, hey, you think about it. You look at an iPhone, right? The brand new iPhone shows up. What do you do? You plug it in and what's it need? An update. You're figuring it out as you go in, in so many ways. And I, I have a mentor, Brandon Dossie, works a lot with, he does a lot with Grant Cardone and the Cardone Venture people. And he, he preaches the four A's, acknowledge, accept, act, and massive action. And I unknowingly did some of that in the beginning, but I never really had it, it molded together, which is really cool when you, you find a mentor that can help form you the right way and just, yeah, that's a good piece. Put it over here. So by, by looking at things objectively going back, this is what I did right. This is what I should have done, done differently. I can reflect on how to move forward in the future. But by taking those lessons and, and just really maneuvering through life, it, it does change things. It changes the outcome. And by just going ahead and saying, I don't know how we're going to get there, but I have the confidence in our ability to manage this. We'll figure it out somehow. You're going to grow in a massive way. Anything that you guys do, Anytime you do something that you don't know how to do, I'm going to, I'm, I learned to do stained glass. I didn't know how to do it. I was walking through Hobby Lobby. I saw, that's cool. I'm going to take a class. My wife looks at me like I'm crazy. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to learn to do stained glass. Why not? Next thing you know, I'm making lamps and things. You did right. do something that was not business related. Exactly. Jason, for those of us who aren't familiar with what freight brokers do, can you tell us just a little bit about that? Yeah. I don't want to dwell too much on it. But one thing I'm confused about, and maybe you can shed some light on this, when I'm thinking maybe of freight brokering, I was thinking of trains, okay? Yeah. Uh, which is your family was involved in that. You're certainly focusing a lot on trucks. So explain to us about freight brokers. Does it involve both trains and trucks, or is it more involved with trucks? Sure. Freight brokers are really an intermediary in transportation. We facilitate things. If we're doing this right, we're not creating bottlenecks, but alleviating the system of bottlenecks. But that, that's really what a freight broker does. And whether it be intermodal, like you're saying with the trains, you could work with different companies, you could do work with different things. And however their needs facilitate into what they want. A large part of what we're doing as a freight broker is trying to discern what exactly does the customer need. And then for the companies that we work with, the, the asset-based companies, we need to figure out who is the best fit for that? In a lot of ways, we're a marketing company for small to mid-sized trucking companies that would not have contact to major Fortune 500 companies. Try to think of some of the bigger ones that we've worked with. Blue Apron was a big one for us. International Paper, we do a lot of business with them. Land Lakes, FIA. Those are just the ones off the top of my head. But we work with so many different companies. In a lot of ways, it feels great because we're actually able to help people grow their businesses by putting them in touch with these companies that they would not normally have contact with. By doing so, we're help facilitating the actual network to move forward. We're, we're improving people's skills along the way. In fact, we found that we had a company try to go around us at one point. They fired us for no other reason than they thought they could get to the carrier cheaper than going through us, which is, that was true. We do get paid a portion of the, the load. That's our fee. That's what you do. Yeah. And, this isn't a charity. We need to keep the lights on. <laughs> right. They worked, they went around me and they worked with the company directly. And what they found was that we actually made that trucking company look good through our processes and procedures. 
And when they pulled all that stuff out, all the great stuff that a broker provides, you remove all that. All of a sudden, some of these companies just don't look as great or they really need a lot more help than a, a shipper would actually realize. And that's one of the functions that we offer as far as monitoring and, and making sure there's compliance within the industry for the carriers that they're working with. So many shippers don't have an idea of what the true function of a broker is. They, they A lot of times they think we're in the way or that they're spending unnecessary money, but that isn't necessarily the case because we're preventing, we're an added layer of protection. If they truly work with a broker in the right way, we're an added layer of protection that allows them to be much more flexible. We're kind of like that Swiss army knife. There's a lot of things that we can do as a company. You're going to only use one one tool in that Swiss Army knife. Absolutely. Is this a business where you would get involved in trains as well? Or yes. yeah, you can work with Union Pacific and eh? the rail yards through intermodal, which is when you see guys driving around with uh, like containers off the of steamships. A lot of times they'll go on to trains. It goes it's a variety of different things. Okay, so you're a matchmaker too when you're a freight broker, right? Nobody's ever said it that way, but yeah, that's true. Really, you're finding the carrier who can transport the shippers, load. Very interesting. As you know, Jason, looking forward is in part about trends. The industry itself, you've been in it for quite a while. Uh, We've had COVID. A lot's happened. You mentioned 9-11. So what have you seen happen over the last 20 years, maybe, but particularly in the last several years? You mentioned COVID. Let's start there. COVID was a, a great equalizer for the transportation industry. Whereas you had a lot of people shutting down, sitting at home, watching TV, the, sh- the network didn't stop. In fact, we got busier. I know the company that at the time I was a president of a company and we were projected to do about $10 million in revenue. We did $22 million that year mm. because all the additional business that we had through different accounts that we picked up or accounts that we had that were just shipping a lot. We, we do a lot with food. And people did nothing but order Amazon and order food. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it just blew up our business. And it, it wasn't sustainable. Nothing is. But it was a great push into the right direction, which allowed us to grow exponentially in our company. And I, I know a lot of other companies definitely did benefit from that. Now, you're, you always hear about the companies that didn't do well. And that's also because they weren't managed correctly. There, there's a lot of problems out there. Just because you own a business doesn't mean that you know how to be successful. Capacity really changed a lot. And people were just making hand over fist money. So they were buying a lot of trucks. There for a while, you couldn't get a truck or a trailer bought. The new stuff wasn't being made fast enough. I had a friend. (laughs) He actually flew from New York to San Antonio to buy 10 Volvo trucks. He spent probably close to $3 million. He had them on order at a different dealership. They handed his check back and says, we can't fill this. Yeah. So he's just trying to find fleet, fleet capacity for himself. He's got people. And now that you've got drivers falling off, there's a real, real, real weird carrier disparity going on right now. Oh. Median age of a driver is about 58. And these guys are going to want to retire. Look on the roads. When you're driving, you're going to see some people up there that not necessarily should be driving, but I think they'd rather be doing something different. Yeah, it's a hard job. It is. It's a really tough job. It's like an all nonstop camping trip that you live in on a four by eight cube. Yeah. And they have a lot of laws, a lot of regulations, and it's truly a choice. It's a lifestyle choice for people. So you're seeing a lot of people coming in from other countries. When we take in people that are new to our country, it's a very easy job to do. It's a very easy life skill to figure out. Bringing that group up to the level that we need, getting people that shouldn't be in the industry out of the industry, there's constant churn in the truck behind the wheel. And so they have a lot of problems keeping people behind the wheels. Right now, there's a surplus of trucks. On average, driving schools were bringing in 30,000 people a month. 
than that's how much they were turning out as far as licensed drivers. And in January, it was reported that the numbers d- diminished to about 10,000. They basically lost two thirds of the, in- of the volume coming out of the schools. And the federal government changed the laws so that a driver has to go through a school to get a CDL. Long ago, you used to just be a farmer, be able to just drive. And my partner, that's how he got a CDL. He was dri- he's been driving trucks since he was 12. He's a big guy, but he's driving farm equipment and stuff. And he just went and got a CDL and went on and drove. I mean, that's how so many of these guys just did that. And that's not the case anymore. What I'm doing is I'm setting you guys up for what the, the direction which brokers are going. Because what we do is we, we need to know what we're dealing with as far as the truck side. The, that's part of the equation that we deal with. Not sure. just acquiring carrier customers, but you need to also have carriers to match with those customers. So if we don't have anything on here or we don't have something here, we have nothing in the middle for us to do. Exactly. As you know, we are globally focused. Yes. What about these trends that you've talked about would you say is pretty similar elsewhere around the world? You don't have to talk about every country or anything like that. And what might be different? I mean, transportation globally is unique because I mean, everybody's got their own caveats, right? Each country is going to have its own thing. I've got a good friend of mine, uh, Rudolf Has. He runs the third largest air freight forwarder in uh, Mexico. And he, he's bringing containers in from China, Italy, Saudi Arabia, I mean, just all over the world. My wife, she works for a company and they're constantly shipping between England and Thailand. They send containers out to Australia. They're doing stuff all over the world too. Their businesses are the same, but different because of the people that they have to deal with, the different types of laws that are enacted depending on the comp- country that you're working with. And then you have the companies that like to do offshore offices. So a lot of times what you have, and we, we did this in our last company when I, we were running out of New York, the owners were from Ukraine. And so we opened an office in the Ukraine. And we had we started with four dispatchers. We trained them up on how to dispatch for the trucks and then we converted them into brokers. And we had a monitor in the office and it just had the four of them and they just had a camera on there. So they, it was almost like they could interact with us from the office in Ukraine. Yeah. And, and so... Because you're dealing with people that are in another country, the, the monetary income is different. We are hiring architects, lawyers, doctors, and paying them more than they'd ever make in their chosen field. Wow. Because for good English, they're, they're intelligent people and they can navigate a situation. That's all we needed. I really hope you're enjoying this episode so far. If you are, can you please do me a small favor? Let some of your family members, friends, or others in your network know about it and about looking forward, opportunities for job, career, business, and investment seekers. And hey, if you happen to like this podcast, my interviewing approach, or maybe even my voice, please consider checking out some of the many services my business provides. These include podcast hosting, creation, and consulting, voiceovers, professional interviewing, production of audio or video profiles to help you sell your business, promote your services, increase your customers, or raise funding, and services to help you market to the large and growing seniors population. That's something I've actually written a book about. To learn more, please visit www.jeff-ostroff.com. You can also email me at jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Now let's get back to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and investment seekers. Jason, looking forward's essence is about opportunities. It would be very helpful, Jason, to elaborate on that in terms of 
where you see opportunities in freight brokering for anybody from a job seeker. You've been talking a little bit about people who were placed in jobs, even in Ukraine, to somebody who is looking for a full career, as you have made it, to an entrepreneurial person like you, an investor, freelancer. Where do you see opportunities? Right now, there's two major niches I see opportunity for. It's going to be for somebody who wants to start a new business, somebody who can begin in a home-based business. For a decade, I ran my company for my from a spare bedroom in my house. Wow. I have a desk, a computer, and my dog. <laughs> Was it a cell phone? Sorry, I forgot the cell phone. That's the important part. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd be sitting there pounded away. Socks would be sitting next to me, just watching me. We made jokes that he was the employee of the month. And I built a home-based business into a multi-million dollar empire. I primarily work out of my house. I'll come to the office to meet customers or shoot videos. Okay. So what you're saying is... There's an opportunity here for somebody who wants to start a similar kind of business. Oh, for sure. You, yeah. You can't, Broker's Edge can't take care of all of this by any stretch. Somebody else, just like you, could start without a lot of overhead from sure. their, theoretically, or maybe in actuality, from their home, and they could start a business like this. Then yeah. there would be the individuals who might be considered entrepreneurial in their own right. right. There could be an opportunity, you're saying, Jason for people who would work for that person or persons, and they're sort of operating their own business, but they're under the umbrella of this bigger business. Right, yeah. So I got that right? Our actual freight brokerage is called 360 Freight Solutions, and that's where the agents work. Broker's Edge is the institution that teaches people how to be a freight broker. Gotcha. Our times, what we do is we'll, we'll actually hire out of the Broker's Edge community. We'll hire people if we like them, if they hit certain metrics. And we'll bring them into the company and then they grow from there. So I can see there are opportunities for people to start a business like yours, to work for a business like yours, although they're not an employee, they're freelancing it. How about investment opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. That was the second leg of this conversation I was going to bring up that we've got opportunities now where you've got a lot of baby boomers retiring that have owned freight brokerages. And their families don't want to do it. Much like my family, they wouldn't know what to do with my freight brokerages. Like the companies that we have, they just, my daughter doesn't want to do it. She's a psychologist. She wants right. to do it. Wow. My wife does it. She works. She's got a whole different deal. Nobody would want to do this. So at some point, there needs to be an exit from the company. And, and that's where the opportunity lies. So walking into another company where somebody, there, you have a business owner that wants to exit and combining those companies together to make a larger company, which is the easiest way to acquire companies as far as customers, because you're buying their customer list, you're getting their employees. You have to take your systems and processes and put them into their business and marry the whole thing up and, and move forward. And that, that's how a lot, of, a lot of the largest companies have grown so quickly. Steve Robinson has just acquired and bought and purchased and just absorbed. And that's how they're a $14 billion annual company. They would be a an example of another company like yours? Yeah. When I first came in contact with American in the early 2000s, they were like a $3 billion company. They're, they've blown up since then, of course. And But that's how a lot of their growth was created by with just acquisition. Acquisitions. So baby boomers who have owned these freight brokering businesses wanting to sell out, and there's an opportunity for people who might want to buy into those businesses, as well as acquire more than one business, which is interesting because I had a guest on recently who was talking about buying a business. And one of the things he emphasized was, Try to buy a business where there's already an established customer base. Is this 
something that, again, goes beyond the United States and North America. I'm sure there is international shipping, and you've touched on that a little bit. There's also shipping within a given country. But the need for these people to do these sorts of things, there is an opportunity not just here, but other places. For sure. Absolutely. I, I've got a couple of friends in Guatemala that are shipping heavy machinery all over the world. Massive things. They send me pictures of stuff. I'm like, how does that even move? It's like you moved an airplane. Like, <laughs> What's going on here? It's crazy. We work with trucking companies that are headed up from people that aren't even in the United States. A good friend of mine, he, I've worked with Zach for years and he shoots me a picture. He says, hey, I'm having a birthday party for my daughter. Yeah. I'm in Turkey. Turkey. <laughs> I'm in Turkey. I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's see the neighborhood. It looks just like any suburban United States neighborhood. It's just what they do. But he's running his company from there. He has trucks in the United States and he'll come back to Chicago eventually. But a lot of these guys are very international in what they do. They're not from here, but they still have to run their companies. And it allows you to have a lot of freedom. Yes. I like the fact, I must say, it's <laughs> not just a business where you live in Turkey and you can do this just in Turkey because you have a, a company in Turkey. Uh, you okay. could also be in Turkey and work with Jason or somebody, another company in, who's in the United States. It's very transatlantic. It's very international. I like that. Uh, having yeah. said all that, what about through the decade? What are you seeing in the future? Are you bullish on the future? What Any changes that you see just through the rest of this decade, Jason? I just want to clarify one thing real quick. For people to work with companies in the United States, they have to have U.S. representation. I, I won't hire a company from Syria. Like, they're just not licensed to do what we do. You have to have a USMC, which is a motor carrier number. You have to have certain things that identify you as a U.S. company. So we're totally clear because I know you have an international audience. I want to make sure that we're not spreading disinformation. Thank you. As far as the future goes, the future is very bright, extremely bright. So I, I was looking up some numbers because I, I wanted to just really give you guys some facts here. The market in 2020 was $1.16 billion. That was just 2020. That was three years ago. It is projected by 2028 to be almost $14 billion in annual revenue. Now, that's not freight in total. That was freight brokerage, domestic United States freight brokerage. The actual number is $13.78 billion. That's a staggering number in such a short period of time. And I see the projection that I'm being reported is actually happening. We're seeing our part of the pie based on the effort to which we put forth. Because of that, though, there's a massive opportunity for people that want to start a home-based business. Like I did. That's where I started. I started 360 Freight Solutions out of my house. Before that, it was a couple of different companies, but these were always out of my house. We never really had a brick-and-mortar location. And because of that, if you wanted to start a home-based business, this would be a great place to start. And you don't need a lot of expensive equipment to do this. A lot of it's very affordable for a startup. I firmly believe that because of this type of growth, that it, all indicators are that we're going to continue this trend. And it's a great opportunity for anybody that wants to start something new or has the aptitude to learn something new. Jason, the other thing that we love to have our guest experts do is provide our listeners with a couple or so tips sure. on how they would begin to seize this opportunity you've talked about with freight brokering. You talked about different kinds of people, those who might buy a business, start a business. So I know it's not the same audience. People would work for somebody in promoting their brokerage business, still being independently employed. What would be a few suggestions that you would provide to them? Yeah, I think I would give the advice across the board, really. Be a sponge. Be open to learning everything. The coolest thing I think about this transportation industry as a whole is that no two days are ever the same. I never know what I'm walking into. Mm. 
is always going to change. Some days you think it's going to go one way and then all of a sudden you get a phone call and it, it, the train's left the tracks and you're going through a forest. <laughs> and off you go. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. so stay flexible and be okay with that. I, I, I think that if you're a sponge and you're learning as much as you can about it, you, you quickly become an expert or whatever it is that you're doing. And, and then read, learn from people. The best way to be in this business is to be in this business. That means get around people that are doing it. You, you know, the vocabulary, go pick that up. That's fine. What all, all that different terminology, we, we, we cover all that stuff for a purpose because not everybody goes walking into it knows exactly what a wide body airplane is. Not that we cover exactly. airplanes. That, that was something I had to learn in the very beginning. Like, what do you mean a wide body? By learning these different things, you have, it, it reframes how you understand the information, which allows you to self forward that. Let me just follow up on that. How about skill sets that people need to have maybe going into this or they have to be people oriented? What what are particular skills that you either need to have going into it or would help you going into it or you would have to acquire? And then how about age? You know, anything else about that? Like you could be 18 and get into this or you better be 35. Anything about that? I don't think age really matters as much as long as you can convince people that you can either do the job or that you need them to do the job. So if I'm working with a customer and they're not going to believe that I have the responsibility and and I can't really negotiate a situation, it doesn't matter how old I am. I I, I could be 15, I could be 55. If I am not trustworthy, nobody's going to work with me. I have to be able to convey that type of trust. So to, to be able to articulate a conversation and have some level of confidence and be the expert in the room. By doing that, you will convey a sense of confidence and instill that in the person that you're working with, whether it be a shipper or a carrier. Now, as far as really working with other people and, and, and what kind of people really do benefit from this, it's going to sound strange, but the people that do the best in this business are the people that have ADD. Because we can focus on multiple wow. things at the same time. <laughs> We're kind of interesting. Yeah, you're constantly juggling something, right? That's just something that I've noticed in myself and anybody that's really successful in this industry. Like my, my CEO, massively ADD. But wow. that's, he can keep up with me because he's juggling all this stuff. He's 25. So age isn't really the, the deciding factor in this. It's experience and will to learn and, and execute. I would think, and maybe I'm wrong here, that you need to have people skills because you're the middle person. You're dealing with yeah. the the customer and the carrier. And for sure, yeah, no, there, there is error. Of, I mean, we run into an issue with accounting people where they want to talk to my customers about, hey, can we get an update on something? And it's the way that the word something is very analytical. Yeah. So you have to have people skills. You have to be able to articulate a sentence and make sure that you're not being very transactional. You want to be transitional when you're talking to somebody. You want to you transform them through this process of whatever it is you're trying to get them to do. In, in that case, it would be you know reporting back on a payment status or something. But you know, far often, I, I get included on these emails. I I eventually tell them, look, you you're no longer allowed to talk to my customers. We're done. Yeah, you know, this filters through me now because that's, I, I have you talking to people like that. That's just not going to work. Yeah, that's what I would think. And yeah. one last question on this, Jason. You were an auto mechanic at one point, but are there any particular backgrounds that would lend themselves to make this transition a little bit easier? I think people that have the ability to network, people that have the ability to sell, everybody sells. Tonight, I'm going to go home and I'm going to sell my wife on the idea that we're going to have whatever I want for dinner. And she's going <laughs> to she, she's going to negotiate what she wants for dinner. We're going to find a happy meal, right? Today's date night, so we're going to figure that out. Right. Everybody does this type of stuff. But you're negotiating with your kids why they should eat their vegetables. I don't like vegetables either, but I'm like, hey, you got to eat this stuff. So uh, being able to have a conversation, sell, 
any anybody that can really just work together. Oh, that's all this is really just working together to, to towards a common goal. The trucks want to move their trucks to a specific spot. The shipper wants to get their product delivered safely and affordably. Make that happen. Yeah, very good. This has been fascinating and eye-opening. Jason, what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you, Burger's Edge, and whatever else you'd like them to know about? Sure. I'm on Instagram, Facebook. It's uh, Jason Bouch, Jason P. Bouch, some combination of that. <laughs> Broker's Edge, B-R-O-K-E-R-Z as in zebra. Then the word Edge, E-D-G-E. There's a .com, or you can look that up on Instagram, Facebook. There's pages for everything on LinkedIn as well. And uh, yeah, 360's out there too. It's 360's Freight Solutions. If you're a shipper, we'd be happy to help you talk to you, figure out what the best solution for you is. Lower Miles, we're going to be launching that here shortly. We remove the bottlenecks in the transportation industry. Real proud of it. We, we've spent 18 months developing it and a whole lot of money to make this happen. So Wow. How's that spelled? spelled? L-U-R-A-M-I-L-E-S. Lura Miles. Okay. A dot com, a Facebook, a LinkedIn. I mean, it's everywhere. Good sure. luck with that. We're going to put this stuff in the show notes, everybody. And Jason's last name is spelled B-A-U-C-H. Just to make sure we got that right. Jason, it's been a delight having you on the show. You've informed us about things we, many of us, have no clue about. And, <laughs> and it's exciting to hear that this is really a growth opportunity and you are leading the pack in some ways in uh, helping people find out about it and also training people who might want to get into it. Jeff, really, it's my goal to make this a better place, to help people build their own personal economies. And if I can just contribute to one family doing that, that sells me, man. That floors me. I'm getting goosebumps talking about it. it. Jeff, it's been fantastic being on the show. Thank you very much, man. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Looking Forward, Opportunities for Job, Career, Business, and Investment Seekers. I hope you've enjoyed it and will benefit from it. And if you did like it, please share this episode with anyone you know who you think might also find it of value. And if you have any comments or questions about Looking Forward, or any suggestions for future topics or guest experts, you can reach me at the website www.jeff-ostroff.com or through my email address, jeff at jeff-ostroff.com. Thanks.